0: Hello Taiwan Talk podcast listeners, Keith Benconi here. Today we've got another one of those extended interviews for you, recorded live on The Morning Show with Terry Engel. This one was recorded way back on November 4th. Already feels retro, almost. So clearly, I've gotten a little bit bad about posting these uh, extended interviews on the stream. We've been doing them, I just... I've had a hard time posting them. Production team of one over here, so sometimes things take time. But uh, expect one of these to be popping up uh, each week from here on in. Gonna get better about this. Uh, Anyway, uh, before we get into this, I should note uh, this was a Skype interview, so there are some sound quality issues. But uh, the interview itself, I think a lot of good things are in there, so uh, just try to listen past that if you can. Uh, This one pretty much speaks for itself, so... I'm going to let it. Here it goes. So
1: ICRT-FM 108, minutes past 10, and time for this week's extended uh, interview segment. And uh, Keith, who have we got going on this week?
0: Uh, well, I want to start with just a quick biographical question. Terry, you, you're you a foreign guy. You're in Taiwan, that's correct to say? I'm an expat. I'm you're not an expat? foreign at all. I'm... We, can, we can use whatever words All right, expat. We are, both of us are expats, in fact. Okay. Uh, but the show, for the most part, is about Taiwan. Uh, so, you know, we may be bringing a somewhat different perspective to it, but uh, at the end of the day, it's about Taiwan. And, and so, you know, it, it's an interesting per, uh, position that we're in. We're two expat dudes talking about our new home. Yeah, that's
1: right. Uh, the the uh, uh this segment in particular, you're right, focuses on different aspects of uh, Taiwan. And uh, the program at large, if you will, is kind of does uh, bridge that gap between Taiwan and uh, what you know, radio program that we might hear in in, uh, North America or Europe or something like that. So yes, you're exactly right,
0: Keith. (laughs) So you may think uh, that this is a pretty unique gig that you've carved out for yourself, but Mm -hmm. I have found uh, a pair of guys that Mm -hmm. you may be able to relate to. Okay. Uh, So what we're talking about today is we're going to be speaking to the hosts of the Seneca podcast.
1: Okay, go on.
0: Uh, This is basically a weekly show on current affairs, uh on china current affairs to be more precise uh they invite on china watchers of all stripes whether they be journalists academics other expats uh doing interesting things uh and talk about uh you know some of the biggest stuff going on in china hmm. and, and it's hosted uh by a pair of two american expats living in beijing uh and so uh we got them here right now uh, it's kaiser gua and david moser uh, good morning to both of you thanks for being here
1: morning, Keith. Hey, morning. hey guys what's up what's happening How are you? Okay, just making sure that you're there. Okay, good. All right.
0: And uh, so typically, I think uh, this Seneca podcast, uh, it's kind of a a, a laid-back sort of current affairs show. I know that you guys typically or sometimes uh, are known to imbibe a couple beers on on, on the program, uh, but I'm assuming it's too early for that right now?
2: Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just had my coffee. The beer comes in a few hours.
0: All right. So uh, we're we're doing the Sansi alcohol in this hour. Okay, well, uh, you guys have a lot of uh, biographical information to go through. I mean, you guys have done a lot of stuff. So I'm just going to let that come out through the course of the interview. I don't want to go into that too much right now. So let's start uh, just talking about the show itself. And uh, one of the things that I really like about the show is it's very smart, but you don't have to be too smart to get into it. It's a very accessible way to get into current affairs in China, to learn about China. Uh, it's been around for about five years uh, now, so I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, Kaiser, when you when you started it out, is that kind of what you were going for? Is uh, a more accessible way for uh, the English speaking community to kind of get to know China?
3: Yeah, if you put your finger right on it. That's exactly what it was intended to be. It was supposed to be accessible. Uh, the idea when Jeremy Goldcorn and I actually started it, um, you know, there was a there was a real lacuna in the podcast scene. There wasn't a decent current affairs podcast on China. In fact. The China History Podcast hadn't even kicked off yet, so um, we decided that since we we both knew a lot of people, we had no trouble at all getting guests on, and we uh, knew a guy with a studio who was going to you know be happy to give us bandwidth to use in 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 exchange for you know bringing a little bit of business to his to his company. It was teaching it was called Pop Up Chinese and teaching Mandarin to uh, to foreigners. So we. Uh, Decided that it was going to be, yeah, like you said, laid back, casual, and accessible. The idea was that people would be sort of eavesdropping on a conversation among three reasonably knowledgeable friends, uh, three or four, uh, talking about uh, what was in the news of late
0: and uh you you mentioned a second ago that you know you didn't really have too much of a problem getting guests for the show and uh i think that that has a lot to do with uh who you are in particular uh just to go through some of these uh bio things right now so you're a a writer in beijing you're a rock musician you're a commentator on technology and politics you've done a lot of work uh and you know when we say rock musician we really mean a rock star uh you uh were one of the founding members of the Tong dynasty back all the way back in uh 1988 so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, your position in Beijing, uh, your position in China more broadly, and, and kind of how that helped you make this show.
3: Well, I don't really chalk it up to anything except for longevity. I mean, I've been here for so damn long. Uh, Beijing used to be a, a, a real small town for such an enormous city. You did just sort of know everybody. Uh, and and yes, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been part of enough circles, you know, in the sort of arts and culture circle in the... Uh, the Repertorial Circle, you know, the Foreign uh, correspondence Circle. I'm a former journalist myself. In the sort of expat magazines circle, I was a columnist for that for, for, for quite some time. And then, you know, I I, I uh, like to, to get out and socialize. And, uh, you know, we have, we've got the Village Pub down the street from where David and I live. And uh, so, you know, you meet a lot of people. Actually, I'd say a good 25% of the guests we bring on are just... Encountered over a beer at the Great Leap Brewery. <laughs>
1: How long have you been rocking this uh, podcast, Kaiser? Uh,
3: we started on April first, uh, April first, two thousand ten. April first, two thousand ten. Okay, all right. Yeah. So five years.
0: So it's it's been around for a bit. Yeah, all right. It's good. matured for a bit. Excellent. Tell me t-
1: tell me about some of the guests uh, that you've had on. Uh, I know you said uh, some of the people that you've you know you've you've just kind of randomly met or. Um, maybe just, uh, expats, uh, you know, that have, have an opinion or have a comment or have some observations or a perspective on Beijing. But, uh, tell me about some of the, uh, have you, have you kind of had anybody official on meaning that like, has, has the government kind of recognized your program? Has there anybody in, in the media in China that has recognized this program and wanted to get involved?
3: Uh, not official Chinese media. I mean, we've had people who write for for Chinese media. For example, one of the great film critics uh, of mainland China. His name uh, is uh, is goes by Ray Raymond Zhou. Right, Raymond Zhou. Ray, Raymond Zhou. Joe. So Ray, Raymond and I uh, have known each other for a long time. He he's still a fairly you know prominent figure in Chinese media. But uh, as far as state media involvement, no, um, I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not that I can think of. We we've had guests on you know ranging from very prominent academics people like Orville Shell who now runs the U.S. China program at the Asia Society mm-hmm. and Timothy Garden Ash from Oxford University who's uh, you know one of probably the UK's best known public intellectuals, uh, Pankaj Mishra who's a, a widely published author and another you know very uh, prominent public intellectual Rana Mitter Rana, Rana, Rana Mitter. Mitter right. I, I would I think anyone wants to start listening to the show and is interested, I mean, because it really does very much talk about Taiwan as well, or at least about the Kuomintang. Uh, you should uh, listen to a recent show that we did uh, right after the uh, the anti-fascist parade that looked suspiciously like a fascist parade. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so Ron Amitter is an Oxford University professor of, of modern Chinese history and politics, and he was, I, I would say that was the oh, best yeah. show we've done. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that, uh, he's just this incredibly insightful, articulate, and witty, and humane, and funny man. And uh, you in know.
2: fact, don't listen to that first because it'll go all
0: downhill after that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> don't want to start
0: at the high water mark. Yeah, uh, David, I, I want to get. A, oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: Sort of ordinary folks. I mean, one of my favorite, favorite, very favorite podcasts that we did was just with a guy who I quite literally met over the <laughs> air. A young man named David Weeks who organizes uh, speech competitions in China, American yeah. debate yeah. De- com- yeah. debate competitions. Mm. Uh, th- um, he's terrific. Uh, you know, he's a debater himself, so naturally he's kind of articulate himself. Uh, the work that he's doing is fascinating. It's a real you know, eye opener. Um, so yeah, uh, ordinary folks like that—people who open businesses here, people who uh, have—I um, mean, I've got a couple of people who are scheduled to come on who've done a bike ride where they. uh, a motorcycle ride, rather, where they've touched every province of mainland China.
1: Right. but Excellent. Okay, guys, listen, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take ourselves a little bit of a break here. Uh, We just got to uh, pause for commercials. We're going to jump into that. When we jump back here, we're going to kind of jump right into it uh, in terms of uh, what you guys are doing and and, and kind of uh, what service you're providing. And we're going to kind of draw parallel to what we do here at ICRT and uh, what The Morning Show does here and what uh, Keith's podcast does, which Keith's is uh, a, a very similar... Uh, type of a podcast to what you guys are doing. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of draw those parallels and we'll see what's, uh, uh, what we make of it, uh, what type of service we are trying to provide, where we're trying to go with all that. How's that? Stick around. Don't go anywhere. All right. This is the Morning Show with Terry here on ICRT. Short break. Uh, back in a minute, we've got uh, uh, the guys from the Seneca podcast here and uh, we'll find out uh, exactly what it is they're doing when we come back from the break. Whoa, whoa. What the dilly Yep, it's time for a few important messages on ICRT. All right, 1021 in the morning. We return to the morning show with Terry here. And uh, joining Keith and myself, we've got Kaiser Guo and we've got David Moser here there uh, from the uh, Seneca podcast, which kind of aims uh, in the same direction that Keith's uh, Taiwan This Week aims, in the sense that uh, trying to bring some of the uh, issues... Uh, some of the headlines uh, to the uh, to the rest of the world, I suppose. That's uh, what, what what you guys are doing.
0: Well, yeah, actually, that's that's kind of something I want to get into. Is wh- how how specific is uh, the aim of this? Because okay, so you know, I it, it may be the case that your show is really just generally aimed at anybody in the English uh, speaking world, uh, but I think here at ICRT, you know, it, the focus really is on the English-speaking community, specifically here in Taiwan, and keeping them engaged in life here in Taiwan, keeping them informed in life uh, here in Taiwan, and like really feeling like this is kind of a home and something that they should care about here. Uh, is, is, is your focus that specific uh, on the expat community in China, or is it more general than that?
3: It's it's more general than that. I think uh, we want to deliberately avoid just doing programs that were specifically focused at, at expatriates here, uh, that gets a little I mean for us it would be a little you know limiting.
1: Well well, uh, again, maybe maybe don't uh, misunderstand what what Keith is saying. This is uh, the radio station at large is not aimed at expats at all. Um, okay. it's, it's It's aimed at Taiwanese uh, folks mainly, of course, because obviously ninety five percent of our listenership is Taiwanese, but sure. it is aimed at cultivating an English um, environment. And uh, having an outlet for even the rest of the world and the Taiwanese themselves that want to hear the news in English, that want to hear English music, that uh, kind of want to and are invited into uh, Western culture to a certain degree, European culture, North American culture. Um, So, yeah, no, don't uh, misunderstand that. We're certainly not aimed at the expat community, the English speaking uh,
2: community. I think Seneca has listeners overseas, people that don't think of themselves as expats, people that just are interested in China. You run into you run into them all the time.
3: Probably most of them are out, outside. I mean, so I know that we have a, a big listenership in the in the State Department, uh, in U.S. academic institutions, uh, you know, in all the China programs. Right. A lot of students of Chinese, and then of course um, just sort of general casual China watchers. The expatriates actually probably make a pretty small percentage. Uh, and then it turns out that we're actually quite a popular podcast on the China iTunes store, mm-hmm. which suggests to me that, that um, Some Chinese are a, a lot of Chinese listeners.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Excellent. Uh,
0: well, what another is, thing. It's, 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 hmm? oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, an, an, uh, another thing that – and you kind of actually – talked about this specifically uh on your show recently that uh, one one of the aims of your show is to kind of explicitly address some of the uh, narratives some of the beliefs that people have about China and not necessarily correcting them but at least you know stating them explicitly and making us aware that uh that some of the things that we think about and I, 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 maybe I want Terry to talk about this first would you say that that's one of the things that uh you're interested in taking a look at on your show
1: uh I've I I, I guess I don't really think about it in that sense. Okay, I guess the sense I I look at it as uh, more of a more of a bridge between the the two cultures. I'm not really aiming to. I mean, w- what I do on the morning show and what Keith does say during the news and and with Taiwan this week and uh, Taiwan talk and the other news programs that he does. I'm not a news guy, so mm-hmm. I'm not I'm I'm not interested in, um, in trying to get a message across, or as you use the word narrative, I'm more interested in kind of uh, making Western culture relevant to Taiwanese people and making Taiwanese culture relevant to, uh, you know, the outside world and the expats that live here. So it's not really news specific or there's no narrative specific. It mm-hmm. the, the, That covers a whole range of things. So in that sense, certainly the morning show here with terry is different from taiwan talk is i'm guessing different from Seneca, and we will let these guys answer that
0: yeah what are your thoughts on that well you guys have these
2: things called commercials called. <laughs> uh, that was strange i don't quite know what that's all about
0: well that well, is different about your show yeah podcasts uh that's a nice thing about podcasts yeah
3: it's it's an entirely it's a labor of love it's something we do just just um
2: well, a labor of hate, sometimes, right? Which but, uh, motivates you, also, right?
3: It's it's really, yeah, it's very mission driven. Uh, I think mean, we make no no uh, excuses for that. Uh, the idea, I mean, the, the inception of the very inception was that I think that it was important that there be a <laughs> space to uh, to really kind of unpack some of the the, the the larger, more complex issues that that get really kind of very peremptory treatment sometimes in in, in just the headlines and the news that we see, to give reporters a chance to sort of talk about what ended up on the cutting room floor as they reported the story? Yeah, I would say bring that in more it, angles that they weren't able it,
2: to. It allows some news stories to breathe. Uh, you, you sometimes get the you know a, a one minute summary, or you get you get reporters who are very constrained by what they write. Right, you know, it's and, 100 and, words. Yeah, so. and they sometimes are, have a lot of other opinions, and some and they're very interesting people who sometimes know much more than you would think from the story from their byline from the story. So we sometimes do a, a story that's big uh, in the news, but, but we give reporters a chance to provide more background, and then also, you know, just interesting.
1: But isn't it? Is, wouldn't that be the case in any country in the world that uh, it, you know that that's not specific to China? Uh, not in terms of the way you've, desc- you've described it.
3: It's particularly uh, serious in China for a couple of reasons. First of all, I, I believe that that. Uh, the context here not only matters more, but is also uh, of a, a higher order of complexity. Uh, and, and it's more other, more alien, I think, than, than uh, if you are, say, reading a story about something ha- happening in Germany or in France or in Italy, where you have at least a, 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 a certain degree of cultural overlap. So China is, is in an odd case, r- does require a little more unpacking. But secondly, it's also because of the sheer importance of the bilateral relationship, because it just matters more. It's going to loom up more you know more largely in all of our lives. So I think the, the it it's it's um, it takes on a greater urgency when when it comes to China, the narratives around China that, that find themselves kind of quite deeply embedded in uh in, in media reporting and thus in thinking about China on the part of the people in the Anglophone world. Uh, those are uh, harder to uproot sometimes, so I think more effort is is involved.
0: Let's, let's go back to a thing that you said uh, a moment ago. The just this idea that the gap is even uh, bigger than you know maybe. Uh, U.S. to France or U.S. to Spain or something like that. Um, what wh- what kind of things, I mean, is that an aspect of uh, the kind of uh, topics that you take on is, you know, trying to give that concept to uh, context, excuse me, to uh, bridge that gap between cultures? Is that something you guys are trying to take on as well?
3: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely.
0: And And, and so how do you how do you go about doing that with a podcast i mean is it a matter of the topics that you choose or is it a matter of the way that you discuss the topics or the looking at them in ways that maybe uh, people haven't thought of before
3: that's right i mean it's it is it's in in the the topics that we choose it's in the the angles that we choose it's in the questions that we ask of the people it's in the the uh the guests that we decide to have on it's in um the actual sort of framing of, of of questions that we we do you know a good a fair, fair bit of preparation ahead of these. We're not going into these flying by the seat of our pants. You know, we've read the books. If we're talking about a book, we're uh, familiar with the, the other the, the the writer's body of work. Uh, we actually spend some time and, and hammer out what we think are, are are good, thoughtful, penetrating questions.
2: Yeah, and I think also we we don't uh, steer clear of topics that are controversial and 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 get into arguments or get or bring our particular points of view or even bias into it. Uh, because I think that's a, a good way for, I think listeners like that, because you don't really understand a topic in, until you've seen it through the lens of different viewpoints. Um, and so the, the object is not to present a, a, an objective talk show where where you just simply ask neutral questions and draw a guest out. It, it sometimes turns into a, a very, sometimes a very messy but interesting discussion that, that acts as like a prism for all the different viewpoints uh, it, it, it it's it, it's not always inclusive if you if you look if you listen to a podcast on traditional chinese medicine which we have you will not get a overall view of, of traditional chinese medicine hmm. uh, that you could use in a classroom to 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 give you a basic basic introduction you will get a very uh, rowdy uh, opinionated uh, you know a discussion lively discussion it sheds a uh, great light on it and gives a lot of cross-cultural information. So that's the kind of thing that the podcast tends to to uh, devolve into. Or, <laughs> <evolve> into. <laughs> let
1: me let me ask you guys this. Um, uh, of course, outside of China, um, there's and, and especially in in the United States, there's a lot of sort of uh, sentiment that uh, there's a lot of censorship in, in in China. That there's a lot of media blocking. That there's a lot of um, sort of oppression of certain kinds of opinions that's certainly the the uh, ideas formed about China from the states and even from here in Taiwan no question so in in any way has you know the state tried to block your podcast have you run into any problems with with your show specifically having you said it's available on China iTunes so obviously this is is something that's available to to just about anybody who has access to To iTunes, And by the sounds of it, or at least from what you guys are saying, you kind of don't pull any punches in terms of uh, what your opinions might be or the, uh, the, you know, presenting a number of different perspectives on a news story.
3: That's right. Um, We have not encountered anything by way of of censorship. Uh, And, you know, the the idea that, that China is a very heavily censored media environment is absolutely correct. And there's no denying that. Uh, we've been lucky. I touch wood. Um, in in one of my theories is that simply the uh, well, well. I mean, I think it, it's simply true that English language media here uh, it because it doesn't reach so many people, uh, it isn't considered uh, so dangerous. Uh, I have a, an operating theory that says that anyone uh, whose English would have been good enough to follow a highly colloquial podcast like this. Uh, their English would be too good to be tasked with such a low-level assignment, and they would likely to be more
2: sympathetic to what we're saying.
1: Also, right. <laughs> well, yeah, again, but again, you're you're even in saying that, kind of putting a slant on it. That that yes, indeed. So so let me just ask you blankly then. So what you're saying is, if this podcast was in Chinese, you think it would be censored?
2: Yeah. probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Right.
3: Uh, but, all, uh, but you know, to be fair, we are, uh, we're very balanced. I mean, there, we do not bring on, you know, unalloyed dragon slayers to come spew venom and, and rant about, well, you know, one of our hosts does that once in a while, but we always balance it off. I mean, there's, there's I, I have, uh, I think David and I both have extremely moderate instincts and we're both very highly empathetic to the Chinese position.
2: Yeah, I think if 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 you took the podcast and translated it into Chinese, actually there would be very little that that people in the top ed- echelons would really object to, because if you speak with those people, they're they're not all you know uh, complete ideologues. They're they're pragmatists. They see the issues, and I, I think because we don't uh, deal uh, in a one-sided way and, and in a sort of accusatory way with issues like Tibet and and, and these kinds of things, that uh, we we almost act as a balance for the for the kind of Reflexive narratives that you see in, the, in some of the major news outlets. So I, I think that, uh, and then, and then the other thing is, Kaiser, it's probably just luck that we, I think we still fly under the radar a little bit because, it, because it's a podcast. Uh, we don't pop up all the time cited in the English language news and the New York Times and this and that. Um, and if we did, it would, a little red flags might be raised and people might actually go looking for us. And, but, but so, so far that hasn't happened. So, so far, we're pretty free to, you know, discuss anything on the air and say whatever we
0: want about it. To keep uh, that, (laughs) at least (laughs) knock on wood again, yeah. Uh, To keep that balanced approach that you were talking about a second ago, I mean, do you find that you have to go a little bit outside of yourself to really be able to see it from that uh, other perspective? Because, I mean, I think sometimes, uh, especially when we're talking about cross-cultural things, uh some of the rationale are well f- kind of foreign to us i mean it's you know they're coming from a, a very different set of assumptions uh sometimes the people that we're talking about and uh and and, and so is that ever a stretch for you to kind of to kind of get there to that balanced place
3: well, well for me personally i don't i, I can't speak for david but I, uh, i am you know somebody who has always been blessed as being kind of bicultural i try to inhabit the two worlds, and so the empathy comes pretty easily to me from both sides. If you take any issue that's sort of a hotly debated one that, that relates to China, I can generally play myself in intellectual chess to stalemate. I know the arguments pretty well on either side, uh, and I'm often <laughs> persuaded by the arguments on both sides, and so uh, I think that, uh, that helps me, I think, to to uh draw people out and, and give them room to make the arguments on both sides
1: and so being balanced is a a little easier you're suggesting as a result of growing up biculturally uh of course uh being of of, uh, of uh, chinese heritage and and growing up in the states
2: yeah that's uh that's what i'm i'm, I'm getting at I, I think also just being a long timer longevity is one thing because uh it's it's very easy uh to be critical of things like the one-child policy, if you've only lived outside of China and you really don't have much of an idea of what it's like to live here. But if you've lived here, as I have for, tw- for almost tw- 30 years, um, you, you, you you tend to start to understand what the government is faced with and, and what policymakers have to grapple with. And you see these problems that are so monumental that that... I find myself siding with them sometimes saying, well, what do you want them to do? And and I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I think foreigners uh, who've been here a long time, and we have some on our show, bring an insight and bring in a sort of instincts about life here that you're not going to get in, in, in sort of average media outlets.
1: Yeah, right. So this is this is exactly yeah what I was kind of getting at uh, maybe even in question, my question two questions ago, which is I guess I was also asking in, in some way how much empathy – is there in your program as well for um, for the Chinese government and, and some of the policies they make? Because ultimately, this is a program that aims to uh, kind of accurately represent what's happening in China, I, I, at least I'm guessing that's what, what your what your intent say is. Yeah. In
2: defense, or not in defense, I just in Kai, Kaiser is is not exactly unique, but but he's very unusual in the sense that he really is very conscious of these these narratives. Right. He's very, he's, and he knows and has known for a long time most of the major news reporters here who cover China, and so he's he's his his. his uh, can, can I say shit on the air? No, no you
1: cannot. Okay. Please, sorry, thank I'm you.
2: Sorry. Uh, the, his his uh, feces detector is very very highly is very bovine. Very, very, yeah, his bovine feces detector is very highly developed. So he he can sense these instinctive um, headline grabbing narratives that are put out there for cynical reasons, just just because an editor editors like this kind of thing, and I, I think that's Seneca is a kind of a, a, a check against this kind of. Of creeping simplistic narratives that, that, that just are frankly are just the narrative that the newspaper articles and the media are filled with. Yeah, right, right. To, to be to to be lauded for for at least being a voice that does that. I think he's, biculturalness is part of it, but I think it's also just simply that he's you know he's, he's been here a long time.
1: Yeah, he has, he, by by empathy, that's that's exactly sort of what I was getting at as well, because there there certainly does seem to be. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I'm, I should say something like this, but there does seem to be in U S media, certainly in Taiwan media, a lot of anti China sentiment. So again, yeah, I was always trying to draw out of you guys, um, of that aspect of it. And it sounds like, um, it sounds like, of course, uh, having lived there and, and and understanding the situations a little bit better, that that's, that's the ultimate goal is to really just kind of get the stories out maybe from behind the stories uh, or Jerry, from behind the headlines.
3: The use of the word empathy is, is, is exact. I mean, we, I mean, empathy is if there's one word that I think I would want associated with the show, it would be that. I've always tried to nudge people toward an informed empathy. Empathy is a wonderful quality in that it does not require you to abdicate your own values in trying to understand the viewpoints of another. You know, you, you step mm-hmm. out of your shoes, you don't surrender them, right? Um, so I, I can still be an American who believes in freedom of expression, who believes in, in in the universality of human rights, who believes in rule of law and all of these other wonderful things, and uh, still manage to see things from a Chinese perspective. But it needs to be informed empathy, and I, I yes. think there are two components to this. One is that you, you it requires a lot of work. You need to understand a lot of context, a lot of history, a lot of of, of what has transpired, uh, you know, in China in order to, to have that. But more important, or equally important to that, you need to to understand a lot about your own history. And this is something that I've come to really realize and has become a, a major uh, factor in my thinking is that, that so often we sit on this side of the chasm, we Americans, we Canadians, we sit on this side of the, the, this this chasm uh, where we enjoy all of these, uh, these values, these institutions, these uh, elements of our political culture that we so uh, prize, but we're unaware of how we got here. We, we've lost sight of the historical path that we took, which was often one... Uh, with with lots I mean, we, we left a lot of blood on that path and, and uh made a lot of sacrifice for it. We we shouldn't assume that this is a natural end state. Uh, we shouldn't assume that that that, that all cultures, all, all polities arrive at that or are able to make that leap instantaneously. Now we live in this compressed, you know, this common present where you know what Putin's Russia, or what um, ISIL or ISIS is doing, or what you know Bashar al-Assad's doing, uh, or what or what Xi Jinping is doing, are all you know they're 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 in front of us on our our computer screens every day, and so it's all the more important that we understand uh, the reasons why this chasm exists, and that we expend real effort to acquire the. The knowledge, the context, and the self-knowledge to be able to be an empathetic.
0: All right, we are going to uh, cut this one just a little bit early. We had one more segment that day, but that was just a little bit of on-air silliness, a little bit of a, a game, a gag, and those things really uh, work better live. So uh, we're going to spare that for you podcast listeners. But once again, we do want to note uh, we were speaking there to the hosts of the Seneca podcast, Kaiser Guo and David Moser. You can find their show online at the Pop-Up Chinese website. Uh, Pop-Up Chinese, just a quick note, they are a Chinese language learning website, do a couple other things, uh, and they are partnering with Seneca, so that's where you can find the show. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the episode description, make it a little bit easier to find, or, you know, just Google Seneca Podcast, uh, probably the easiest way, get you right there. Big thank you one last time to the Seneca guys uh, once again for coming on the show. Had a lot of fun that morning. And thank you all out there for listening. uh, For ICRT and The Morning Show with Terry Engel, I am Keith Menconi. See you all next time.